This is Rolling Rocks Radio with Jerry Armentrout, Cody Carter, and Scott Barker. Welcome to Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast where we talk about mixed martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and anything else we find entertaining. He's Jerry Armentrout. Hey. I'm Scott Barker. Welcome to today's show. 26th of December, Jerry. We're in here getting after it. Yes, we are. We're in here come in this morning and we've spent what two and a half hours just trying to stab each other yeah trying to stab each other doing uh uh knife defenses and that you know the reality not the stuff you see on tv where they do all this fancy footwork and they're swinging blades around and clinking off stuff this is more of the you know pick your shots and a lot of almost like boxing style where your footwork matters and or you strike matters you know yeah can get a little cut here or take that blade through your ribs. Uh, yeah, we which I did multiple times today. Yeah. But that's okay. I don't have any ribs and Jerry's like missing an arm. So yeah, my, my shoulder's a little problem. Your shoulder's a little messed up. So we haven't had any fights um, over the last couple of weeks because it's been the holiday. But what we did get was we got an early Christmas present. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the we've talked about this the last couple episodes and, and it's still making its way around the internet. The guys from Dust, Detroit Urban Survival Tactics, and their fearless leader, Mr. Brown, um, actually showed up on the Coleon Noir podcast uh, earlier in the week. And, you know, there's been some stuff on the internet where, you know, he was supposed to do something with Master Ken, which I'm kind of interested to see what that turns into. And there's been some spoofs out there where he was going to be on Rogan, and I got really excited yeah. about that, and then it turned out that wasn't real. Um, so when Coleon put it up on his pod, on his Instagram feed that um, that that Mr. Brown, Dave Brown, Dave Brown, Dave Brown, there you go, from uh, from from the Dust team was going to be on his show. I, my first thought was, well, maybe this is a spoof and it's not going to happen. And no, it turned out it really did. Yep. So um, both Jerry and I were very interested to uh, to hear how this turned out. And for those of you who may not be familiar with Coleon Noir, Coleon is a he's a, a he's an actual bastard lawyer. Yeah, he's he's a he's a uh, actually a really good lawyer. Yeah, uh, he's a gun enthusiast he became a gun enthusiast uh he wasn't raised a gun enthusiast he became one uh there for a number of years he was the uh uh, outreach program and uh, was one of the spokespeople for the nra for quite a while uh they separated a few years ago when the nra had a kind of a shake-up in leadership but uh coleone does his he does i mean he puts out a, a, a video almost every day on guns he reviews guns and he's he does he does funny things if you want to see some funny stuff watch look him up on youtube he has real funny skits about uh, nothing with not using guns he doesn't do that's not a joke but he'll make jokes about calibers you carry and what kind of people do this and that 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 stuff's the funny yeah guns are serious he's he's a very serious advocates and uh, especially in self-defense shooting his his show when he was on nra tv his show was very good and he had um he was into the um, athletic shooting, right? Yeah. We do. He did a lot of run and gun stuff. Yep, he's a three gun guy. He, yeah. yeah, which was always very entertaining on his his NRA TV show. But then he had a, another segment at the end where it was he would have debates with yeah. the 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 non 
um, with, with the, we want to call them gun control advocates yeah. or whatever. And the, the interesting thing, the, the thing that I thought was very interesting is they were very honest conversations. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Coleon's out there. Not only is he, you know, into guns, but he's also spreading the word about responsible gun ownership yep. and and law know, and order. Law I mean, and he, yeah. he he does breakdowns and he did a you know he did a breakdown of the Rittenhouse incident. He did a breakdown of uh, the, the young gentleman who was killed in Georgia. Uh, and his takes on it were what actually almost what came to fruition in at the end in the trials. Uh, he he talked about how Rittenhouse how it broke down as self defense and how if you look at things based on certain elements and by law because he is you know still a licensed attorney he's a, you know i think he's still yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, he still has the right to to uh to practice to practice and he broke that one down really well and then he broke down the other one and it was different he was like there was no no way you can claim self-defense when you're chasing someone down who is unarmed who's jogging that has committed no crime and then you attempt to stop them by aiming a shotgun at them and a pistol and don't understand why the guy freaks and tries to run. Yeah. And it's it's like, you know, he, he breaks down stuff from the law aspect. And it was, and so, yeah, I was fascinated when uh, Scott sent me, you know, when you're like, dude, you know, he's going to be on this show. And I was like, oh, you know. So I listened to it, mine yesterday, I listened to it yesterday while I ran. And <laughs> I was frustrated quite a few times my my rhythm you could i could tell the difference in my mile count and that the time difference in my miles uh based on where, based you on where i was in the podcast because there was i was trying to keep a steady pace and it it, it kind of went out of crap there was my timing was off <laughs> you tried to have a good pace and it was like yeah i kind of shot that to hell yeah so so dave brown showed up on coleon's podcast and Coleon did a very good job yep. of just letting him, him talk. talk. There was not, there wasn't a lot of point counterpoint. There wasn't a lot of questioning. Coleon basically just let the guy get up there and run his mouth, and he did what he's done on the internet is, which is you know show actually how ignorant and how full of shit he is. Yeah, um, there's a, there was a lot of so so we so you understand why why we're saying this. So we're listening to this gentleman's podcast, and it's like, okay. And he made one or two valid points in the whole show. But so much stuff he said that I was like, okay, well, let me look. So just so you understand, going on Google, you put in Dave Brown Dust. So this guy claims he's been on this 26 years and is world-renowned, and he's won all these awards. There's not a—the first several pages— on Google that I bother to go to, he's not mentioned at a single time. Not once. If you look up Dust, all it talks about is the movie production company, Dust. Dust covers. Dust movies. Cosmic Dust. How to get dust ready in your house. They don't mention him. Dave Brown, you look up Dave Brown, Dust. You get quarterbacks and actors, and but not this guy. And then you go, and then it starts covering Dust covers for your vehicle. So if he is that popular and is so world-renowned, how can I, can I cannot find a single article about him? If you're world-renowned, you figure at least in the first page or two on Google, <clears throat> there'll be an article about you. 
or story or if you've won all these awards or you've been doing this for 26 years and you protect thousands because he claims he protects thousands of people a day with his staff of 35 which by the numbers that's just yeah, not quite right and he made a statement about how prosecutors use him to protect witnesses and in major crimes it's like okay and then he talked about being involved in multiple shootouts but yet I can't find any articles that talk about it did you find them so there's a new there's a new article up from Detroit Fox 2 published December 16th Detroit self-defense guru Dale Brown so we've been screwing up the dude's name he said his name was Dave I know Enjoys newfound fame while delivering serious message. So it's a fluff piece. Yeah. Because he's a popular... He's, he's appeared on so many... He's all over the internet. He's, social media is making fun of him. So newfound popularity by being made fun of? Yeah. And he's a self-defense guru. So they throw that term guru out. Pretty willy-nilly, don't they? Yeah. Uh, like I said, he found one. He found a, a Fox News story. But see, for me, I'm looking for... He claimed he's won all these awards and all these accolades. So that's what I was looking for. Not a current story that's talking about the fact that he's a social media... You know, now. I'm talking about old... You know, and I can't find anything. Like I said, the first couple pages is about other stuff involving dust. And literally dust itself as a, you know, what is dust? You know, that's what I, I find. I don't find anything about him. So, again, some of the, some of the statements he made, you know, he, he added a caveat to what he's been doing on social media. Uh where he does all these gun disarms and knife disarms. And the guru, uh, I mean, the uh, caveat is, Mr. Guru gave a caveat that his gun disarms and knife disarms are only to be used when you're pretty sure you're going to die. It's your last-ditch effort. He teaches these because he don't want you to try to disarm somebody if they're not actually going to shoot you because then he may encourage them to actually shoot you. So he did add that caveat while he was, you know, talking on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I did, just found something about uh, the tough, the yeah, the, no, I, the Ultimate Fighter uh, season thirty coaches are announced, and it's um, it's Dale Brown versus Steven Seagal, yeah. which is kind of funny. Yeah, so you know, it, he said uh, he says that he's a you know airborne. Going through the podcast, he, he talks about being an airborne paratrooper, and he's listed as, you know, being retired military. Okay, so we're calling, yes, his name is Dale Brown, not Dave Brown. Everyone's been calling him Dave Brown, but it's actually, yes, it is Dale Brown. But go ahead. I, just, I don't know what else to say, dude. I mean, he, he goes... Some of the stuff, some of the stuff on the podcast just seems absolutely inconceivable. You know, he he's talking about shooting M sixteen A ones when he's nine, and then going to a private military school where he's shooting M sixties when he's like 
in the I don't remember what age he was, but it was like in, he was, I'm sorry, he was nine years old. It's you know shooting M60s at a private uh, military academy, and they're teaching him in the ninth grade to to set claymores and and, and, and booby traps, booby traps, and and all this. And you know, he's listed everything I've found on the internet. You know, he's listed as retired as retired army, mm-hmm. which I find interesting. He only served one tour. Retired, yeah. He only served four years, so he didn't retire from the army. That's yeah, that's kind of a misnomer. Technically, if when you take your if you serve your your term, your enlistment, sometimes they refer to you as retired because you you get out, but you didn't retire from. So there's the little misnomer. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and uh, let's see. He's got. Does he really have? Okay. Even looking at. Looking up Dale Brown, you know, we'll apologize for screwing, for, up, the for screwing up the name. Every article that I am finding is new, or within December, April, and it's all because he's being made fun of, and it's all little like, who is this? Or it's stuff he wrote himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then so I'm looking at the the webs or the the Google right for them. He's got 63 four star ratings on Google. Um, but we're looking at um, a month ago, mm-hmm. a month ago, five months ago, and, four and, months ago. And so you understand. Two months ago, these a month are, ago, uh, seven months ago. Also involved in all his little, uh, all these little things. Uh, it's only like page and a half about Dale Brown on Google. And most of them are all brand new articles. And then a, half of them are about people making fun of him, including Odell Beckham Jr. in the football game. That's what they're making fun And then it switches over to other trainers who teach survival and urban survival and stuff. So, and yeah, so it's a little different. Yeah, he and, and now it's going to talk about M1A1 tank. Okay, so yeah, we're totally now. There's no, there's not a single old article or an article mentioning awards that he claims he's received. It is all fluff pieces or them explaining uh, why he's a social media and why he's uh, trending on social media. That's it. And they're all in the last couple weeks or since it, his his the viral crap hit. Or it's stuff that he himself has pushed out there about his school. So, yeah, there's no... I don't see anything about him winning awards. I thought he won, like, awards and accolades for defending the city. According to him. Yeah, the oldest review on Google is just... is like 10 months ago. Yeah, so... So, anyway. um, So, (laughs) going over the the podcast, there was a lot of balderdash in it. Um, Like I said, when when you claim that you've been involved in multiple shootouts... Yeah. You would think that, okay, that should make headline news, but yet I can't find a single article about that. Shootouts, not shootings. You're not involved in a gang member shooting at you. You're claiming you're involved in shootouts. There is a difference. Shootout is multiple participants, including you. You're participating in in shooting back. But there's nothing there. Uh, He claims he's a private investigator. He's also claimed he's a level one trauma certified 
responder, that six of his people. And one of the biggest things, six of his people have been shot in the uh, line of duty. According with him, to him. That six of his, of his people have been shot and that they all, all received serious wounds. And, but because he studied ballistics, he realized they weren't going to die and all this stuff. It's just a lot of hyperbole and a lot of uh, big word and uh, fluff. Mm-hmm. And there's things he says that kind of. There was one thing he said that the only thing link I could find to anything similar to that was in a movie. So it's like, are you watching a lot of movies? And they're and you've been hitting the head one too many times. And then, uh, but I'll go ahead. The, the thing that pissed me off the most. I mean, if he believes in his shit. So be it. People want to pay to learn his stuff. So be it. You know, we're all adults. You can you can make your own choice. But at the end of the day, he makes a statement on this show. What makes me the maddest? Because I listen to him talk, and we've heard people talk like this before. He's he's fluffing up his his credentials because he's he's running a business. He makes money teaching people stuff. If if he's legit and he's he's done this stuff, and him being present has curbed violence, good for him. Again, I don't believe his stuff really works, but at least he did give the caveat of you don't do these disarms unless you know the guy's going to pull the trigger and stuff. So at least he tries to give himself a, a way out. But the thing that made me the maddest is that he brings up Chris Kyle, the legendary sniper, and flat out says that if Chris Kyle had had his training he wouldn't have been shot because he would have known how to read the guy that shot him. He would have known how to look in his eyes and known he was planning to shoot him and he wouldn't let him have a gun. And Coolion and his, you know, it was like, they were at a gun range. He took him shooting. You're supposed to have a gun. And Dale Brown was like, well, but I can read body language and I can look at your eyes and I would have realized right off the bat this guy had bad intentions by just looking at his face. And he would have been able to say, nope, you're not allowed to have a gun. And it's just this whole Chris Kyle would be alive if he had his training. And that right there is the worst comment he made. Is what made me the maddest. And it's probably the reason I uh, have a lot of venom this morning about him. Because it's just un- uncalled for to bring this guy up. Yeah, that was that was, that was was unbelievable. And also the... the uh, the claims where he teaches his uh, his students to uh, dodge bullets. Yeah, dodge bullets. He said that his people have dodged bullets. That even from multiple attackers, he makes a statement that he teaches his, his employees that they can evade and dodge bullets even from multiple... He's had his people dodge bullets even from multiple shooters. And that in 26 years, he's only had six people shot and none of them died. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so well, and then there's the then there's also the we don't uh, we don't let videos of our of our gun techniques yeah. Oh, yeah, our gun out out because we don't want the bad guys having them. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you know, he makes it like I said, he makes it sound like he's teaching gun kata from Equilibrium. Yeah, um, you know, the super secret advanced gun techniques. Um, uh, you know, like Jerry says, if he thinks his stuff works, you know, great. McDojo's gone after him. Sheepdog Response has gone after him. Um, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that the local news is still, you know, well, he's tolerating I mean, him, but, you know. Well, but you, who, who goes in and interviews someone who doesn't know the difference? 
probably see some... do this flashy stuff and thinks it's real and doesn't realize that the crap he's doing will get you killed. I mean, the one the one that bothers me the most is when he's talking about, you know, guy has a gun in the back of your neck and, and you're in a vehicle and he's going to reach across his body with his and and somehow yeah. magically snatch a gun before the guy pulls the trigger. And he talks about being able to move in two one-hundredths of a second. And it's just like, unless you're moving a lot faster in real life, your videos, you're, you're going kind of slow. So I found an old website of his called the Threat Management Centers. Yes. Threat Management Centers. So the name of his system, have you seen this, the actual name of it? It's called Eclecticam. 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 So it's eclectic, you know. So I guess he's using the, the term, you know, as a, uh, you know, as a uh, eclectic group of stuff. So he's taking parts. Well, he claims he's taking stuff from all kinds of forms and built his own. So I guess it's an eclectic group of techniques. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what he's going with. Uh, anyway, so and yeah. I guess that's because bull, bullshitto's already yeah, taken. Yeah, bull, bullshitto's already taken. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know these. Get, I've, the the problem is we're still talking about him, right? And I he's mean, getting and he gets a news article, yeah, on, on local news because and there's articles written about him on, because people are talking about him. So yeah, we're giving him, giving him airtime. This is probably the last time we'll talk about him, except uh, he challenged Coleon to. Come train with him, and he's going to give Coleon a real gun with sim with sim munitions, which are uh, pretty hard hitting wax bullets. Yeah, they've got paint splatter in yeah. them, but they're they, I mean, they, they hurt. They fire out of a real gun. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, they're made to know. hurt a little bit, so you realize you've been hit, and it's what law enforcement military uses. It hits a whole lot harder than a paintball. And he's he said he wants Coleon to come, and they want a video. Him doing this the disarm techniques, all of them, was someone like Coleon's experience pulling the trigger, and Coleon accepted. So that, if when they do that, we might talk about that, but we're probably I, talking in the in, in the terms of what Coleon has done with his guns. I I don't know that I really don't know that Coleon accepted. I mean, he's kind of like yeah, he yeah, said we'll yeah, work yeah. out. No, he he did. He said we'll work out dates. He's like I've I've got several free dates, okay. and we'll make this work. But I think in Coleon's defense, he he says my a lot of my followers want to know what I think and. I think he won't. I think he'll do it, and there'd be the best way to prove one way or the other. Yep. I mean, if this guy magically snatches guns, maybe he's legit. I still say bullshit, but that's just me. Yeah. But all right, we're gonna move on now. Cause yeah, we gotta we kicked, gotta move on. I've kicked that mule about as much yeah. as I can kick it right now. Well, and here's the thing: it, both Jerry and I are interested in taking a sheepdog tactical class, yeah. right? Because. It's Tim Kennedy, you know, everybody who listens to us should know who Tim Kennedy is. I'm very interested in his classes because he goes through grappling with a firearm. Yep. You know, knives, how to, you know, and and the difference between Dust, where he's doing these, these little things, and Sheepdog, is Sheepdog literally says, if you're not prepared to bleed your own blood, do not come to my class because you're going to bleed. Yeah. You're going to get punched, you're going to get hit, you're going to bleed, so... Just heads up, here it is. This is what's going to happen to you if you come to my class. And, you know, he's going to teach you real-world stuff. I can – if somebody like Tim Kennedy and the Sheepdog guys are calling BS on this dude, that's 
about as close to a yeah. to a. Uh, it's and they're not calling and it's and professional negative is, endorsement. This is the thing. It's not they're they're basing a lot of like everybody else. They're basing their opinions on the videos he's pr- putting out. If those videos you're putting out is just to get someone's attention, even Colian asked him that, are you doing this just to get people's attention? He's and he's like, no, nah, that's my that's the legit stuff I teach. And it's like, okay, that shit's it's that's not real, man. It's not magic. If someone had, and he keeps talking about how, well, a shooter is not going to shoot you from a distance. They're going to have to be close. What? You know, oh, well, a robber is not going to trust you to empty your own pockets. So he's going to have to get right on top of you, and he's going to do it himself, and that gives you a chance to disarm him. Again, what? No. I mean, what? What? Huh. where are you basing these ideas on? If... If I'm a perpetrator, and he, he kept trying to say, oh, well, you know, because Colin was asking this, and he's like, well, but you're not a criminal, so you're not going to think like a criminal. No, but I'm a human being. And if I'm going to do a crime, so you're saying that somehow criminals have a different brain than I do? If I'm going to, if I have intentions to do violence to you, I'm not going to be around on top of you. I'm just going to do it, call it a day. I can empty your pockets when you're not breathing. Yeah. It's a whole lot easier. Well, I'm gonna get right on top of you and put my hands in your pockets. That's yeah. That's just stupid, and you know, because yeah, that that does put us body to body, and, and it, for me to reach into your pockets, even if I'm holding a firearm, it means I, I'm having to pay attention to too many things at once. Mm-hmm. Well, and we, I mean, granted, yeah, criminals may not be the best example, but you know, we talk about may, about controlling distance yeah. here you know, quite a bit. And, and the, you know, with jiu-jitsu, it's all the way out or all the way in. But with its firearms, you don't ever want to let somebody get within arm's reach. Yeah. Right? So yeah, there can be yeah. that weapons tie-up. Yeah. You don't you don't ever want them to get that close. Yeah. If they're that close, then... The app, I mean, look, all you have to do is look at YouTube videos of cops being cut up where the perpetrator... You can look at body cam footage of cops with a drone, you know, who have not drawn their gun... A perpetrator has a knife, and the perpetrator closes the distance faster than the cop can draw his gun. Because an average human can close, was a 10 feet in like two seconds. Yeah. And it takes the average... It's like the seven-foot rule. Yeah, or... and the average cop is like... they To draw their firearm takes like four and a half, five seconds. So that guy's done stabbed you three times before you even get your gun out. Yeah. So, yeah, so they, a lot of police departments issued the seven-foot rule. If you're within seven feet of me, my gun has to be out. That's why when you see some of these videos and they're like, oh, my God, they got out of their car with their guns drawn. No, because the other guy was too close. And it's, they already have it out because that guy can close that distance and be on top of a police officer before they can faster. draw the firearm or even the taser. And a taser takes a second to get going. They're not it, You've got to charge it, yeah. You have to, even if they're, you have to flip the switch, and it's got to come online. If you watch, if you've ever watched a like live PD when it was on or anything, if you watch, you have these lights light up when it's ready. That's why they, you know, when they're running, you'll hear them say, "I'm going to tase you," and they say it two or three times before they actually do because they got to wait for it to be ready. <laughs> they got to wait for it to charge up. Uh, why they'll they'll take it out and they'll have it in their hand because they're letting it charge before they actually use it. It's not instantaneous. If they don't walk around with it fully charged, the battery would die. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. But again, we're, we're done stumping that dead horse. We'll, we'll put the link to, to Coleon's yeah. podcast with Dale Brown, Commander Dale Brown. Commander Dale Brown. 
um, in the in the show notes. Be interested to see what everybody else has to say. But yeah, I think this is the last time we're going to talk about these guys, unless there's unless there's meaningful developments. But yeah, we've been tracking them for a while. So yeah, well, yeah, we were <coughs> we were making fun of these people six months ago. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it caught viral and everybody else started to doing it. So we're kind of leading the trend. Yeah, Pretty awesome. Yeah, we're we're we're. What was it Nathan calls for influencers now? Yeah, we're influencers now. Am I an influencer now? <laughs> yeah, well. All right, so we'll be right back after we hear from episode 11 special guest Matt Warner and his novel Empire of the Goddess. My name is Thomas Dillon. You may know me as the man who supposedly killed his own son to collect insurance money. The truth is my little boy, Walter, was abducted by a religious cult. They took him to a parallel world, to an America run by religious fanatics and plagued by disease. I know because I've been there, and I found my son. It's a place of magic and malice and ignorance, where faith healing is medical care and government enforcers dress like Klansmen. Now, I know I sound crazy, like this is the plot of a dystopian dark fantasy novel that would appeal to fans of Neil Gaiman. And indeed, that's how I had to get my story out, by teaming up with writer Matthew Warner. He published my first-person account as a novel called Empire of the Goddess. Publishers Weekly called it quick-paced and intriguing. Can you believe that? But he let me record the audiobook, because only I can tell you my story. And it's gonna blow your mind. Look for it on Amazon and at MatthewWarner.com. Empire of the Goddess. And we're back. All right, so on uh, Jiu-Jitsu Corner this week, Jerry and I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, basically the, 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 the tactics behind injury, um, how to deal with injuries in Jiu-Jitsu. And this is more about like how to get through the medical system than it is anything else. Because big, uh, well, I paid off my knee last week. Yeah. So I finally finished making all the payments for my knee surgery that I had two years ago. Yeah. Um, so that'll tell you something about that. But the, the big thing, and this has come up a lot recently on, I've been noticing a lot more posts on the Fanatics page. Yeah. And on the, the People are getting hurt and what do they do? And yeah, they... What, what do I do? How do I handle this? And, you know, it... it it can be a very scary thing yep. for people, especially if you're you've been relatively healthy your entire life and you're a little bit older. Yeah, it can be a scary thing, um, and we're going to make a, a big caveat here or a big warning here in just a minute when we get when we get to it. But it can be very daunting to to have a a, a meaningful injury and what do you have to do to get through that? Yeah, um, I mean, if you spent your entire life and then you know you're. 30s 40s and you're starting jiu-jitsu and you get your first broken bone i mean that's, that's a, a big that's, deal yeah, it's a big, yeah, big deal, a big and, deal. And, and it can happen i mean it absolutely can happen um so the the first thing the first caveat that i really want to throw out there and we actually had a situation like this here at the gym if you are doing jiu-jitsu you need to have insurance yeah it's yeah it, i mean this is a it, it's a contact sport it is a combat sport. And if you are going in to do jiu-jitsu... You better have 
good health insurance. It, you need to have some form of insurance, um, whether it's you're paying out of pocket for COBRA or you've got a health savings account or something. It is irresponsible yeah. to you and your family to undertake a physical a, yeah. a, a physical activity like a combat sport and not be able to cover your medical bills if something happens and you know, possible loss of employment yeah. and you know we we definitely don't want to name any names but we had a we had a gentleman come and start taking jujitsu he was you know he was a, a, a fit healthy guy right but he had a physical labor related job mm -hmm. and he he ba we basically think he ruptured his ACL but he had no insurance and he had a physical job yep so he has not been back since his injury um and he is thank god he's still able to work yeah. um but you know he unfortunately put his entire family at risk yeah so um the first thing we will say is be sure you have some form of insurance before you, and this isn't just for jujitsu. This is if you want to go skiing, or if you want to have a motorcycle or CrossFit or something, if you're going to undertake any, any physical activity, you need to have some form of insurance. In reality, you need to have just to live your daily life because, I mean, it don't take a whole lot. You can walk yeah. walking across the street, somebody hit you, and you're going to need help, you know, and just because that, you know, you might not, those people might not cover you. You could trip and fall. Yeah. slip and fall you could come out your door and fall off your porch anything can happen so yeah having insurance is very important i mean it's one of those things where it's like yep you better have insurance because you're going to if you train long enough sooner or later you're going to get something, something. you have to go see a doctor whether yeah. it's major or minor i mean you get and it doesn't and it's not just jujitsu any any kind of combat sport any kind of physical sport you're, yeah. you're going to get something your back tweaked your knee your ankle a broken finger a broken toe i broke my foot and people in here were like not the dudes they were just like yeah okay but some of the women in class were like the whole top of my foot was black and swollen i was still in here <laughs> and i was like it's just broken and they're like oh my god you should be at the it shouldn't be in here why it's just broken oh heal. <laughs> you know it's it's not that big of a deal yeah so yeah Make sure you have some form of yeah. insurance before you undertake something like this. Especially because, if you have a family because yeah. you got to be able to, you know. It's irresponsible yeah. if, if you, you don't. You go and, I mean, medical debt is, is like the leading cause of bankruptcy. Yeah, and and we're going to talk about that a little bit because there are things you can do to, to offset that. But um, we'll get to that here in a few minutes. So the, the next thing is... Go to the doctor. Yeah. Go go to the damn doctor. It's and I, I understand it because it's scary. Yeah. Because you, you don't, don't want know. you don't want to know. You don't want bad news, right? You want to hear that if you smear this, you know, CBD shark piss paste on your on your your knee, right? Your and I'm going to use knees because that's what I know about on your knee. Your your ligaments gonna you're, you're gonna magically heal and you'll be back to you know practice in, in two weeks. If you spit on your hands and rub them really hard like Mr. Miyagi, yeah, and a lot exactly, it'll get fixed, man. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, go to the doctor. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have if if you have an injury that worries you enough that you're gonna go on Reddit 
or yeah. Facebook and ask people questions or WebMD or WebMD. Yeah, if, if you even get into the in, into the MD part before you hit .com, you should be going to the doctor. And but also, you get, there is a difference between being injured and being hurt. And we've yes. talked about that. There's a difference. Life hurts. I mean, I'm always hurting. I mean, I ran five miles yesterday, Christmas morning, and I haven't ran. I've been doing a lot of other stuff for cardio, but probably yesterday was the first time I actually got out and ran, ran, and, you know, especially for time and distance. And my knees weren't super happy about the whole prospect. <laughs> and also, I really didn't stretch. I just put clothes on and went out the door. I didn't even bother to stretch. And it's like mile one and my knees are like, are you freaking serious? <laughs> what are you doing? And after about mile three, they were like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing now. And they're just, <laughs> this is not what I wanted for Christmas. And they just, they function. But they're, you know, so yeah, that hurt, but I wasn't injured. But, you, and you've got to learn the difference. And, but, you know, you, you're going to hurt but if something swells and stays swollen, you might want to get someone to look at yeah, it. Yeah, if it hurts for a long time yeah. or, or it, it limits your ability to do other things, yeah. you really need to go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, you know, knees, especially joint stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if there's a popping noise and yeah. you're, you know, whatever hurts. Don't, yeah, don't say, that's just what my knee does. That's just no, not what, that's no, that's not not what your knee does. You might, you might want to get someone to look at that. So go, be, go to the doctor. Um, it, it's... Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, you don't want the bad news. But you know what? The sooner you get the diagnosis, the sooner you get over it. And yeah, if it's a minor in, if it's a minor injury, you might just need to take time off and do something else. If you continue with a minor injury, then it can come become major and you can ha- end up having to have the surgery. Yeah. Because if you just strain your knee ligament, okay, so you need to take a couple weeks off, do this, this, and this, it'll get better is a lot better than up you've just ripped your knee apart now you have to have a major surgery and might have to throw a little cadaver tissue in there and your orthopedist says if you just come see me six months ago this could have been avoided i could have put you in a sleeve and told you to elevate it for a couple hours every night you've been fine but now now we're cutting now we're cutting so yeah let's go go to the damn doctor yeah um and really you should have a decent relationship with your doctor yeah i mean and if you don't if you don't have a a good relationship with your doctor if you're not getting the service you need go find another yeah. doctor there is not the, the important thing about healthcare that a lot of people don't remember is that you are the customer yeah. and you can choose your and provider your providers go find yeah it's a pain in the rear end but it this is your health that we're talking about right so find a good doctor have a good relationship with them you know and and have a good primary care doctor so Let's say the worst case scenario happens and yes, you've been injured and you went to the doctor and they said, oh my God, you've got to have surgery. Okay. So the first thing you need to do is you've got to call your insurance company and you have to figure out, you know, what they cover, what you have to do to get the coverage, to make sure that it's, um, that they pay for, you know, the, the portion of whatever it is they say they're going to pay for. This is one thing that I didn't yeah. do that I wish I had done. I went into this, you know, I went and had my MRI, I went and had my surgery, and I'm laying in bed, you know, with my leg up in the air with a brace on, and I start getting all these letters from my insurance company. Hey, you didn't get the pre-auth for this. Yeah. Hey, you didn't get the pre-auth yeah. for that. Yeah. Had to go, you know, through a bunch of ass pain yeah. to get all that 
paperwork pulled together and you know, it, it all worked out in the end. But if I'd have been proactive with it, yep. I wouldn't have had all those And issues. talking to your insurance company, you'll know what they cover, what they don't. And you need to know how it needs to be written up because if a doctor writes something up one way, it might not be covered if he just changes how they write, write it up. Like, is this necessary? Is there... Because sometimes they'll be like, well, will physical therapy work first? So the doctor's got to be very clear yeah. and no, you have to have surgery. This is the only option because the insurance company wants to go with the least costly to them. Mm -hmm. They make money. And yes, you have to jump through a lot of hoops and be ready. You, like I said, you have to call and say, well, do you cover this? Do you cover that? Nowadays, like our, in a lot of local, our local hospital, they actually call themselves to get the pre-op off for MRIs and serious stuff because they, you know, it's five grand. Yeah. And if the insurance says, nope, you didn't pre-authorize, we're not paying it. Well, then you're the, kind of on the yeah, hook. Yeah. Now someone, the patient's now on the hook, and patients can't afford it. So now, if it's not pre-authorized, you have to have money up front, or they don't even bother to run you through it. Yeah. And so, th so then the other thing you have to do is not only do you need to contact the, your insurance company and get all the pre-authorizations and get all that, worked, all that worked out, what you also need to do is to go talk to the financial office at the hospital yeah. and find out what their, what their policies are because a lot of hospitals, and I didn't realize this until my wife had to have some surgery, but the... Um, the hospital will actually give you a discount if you can pay within a certain number of days mm -hmm. of receiving the bill. Um, and and a lot a lot of hospitals will you know will give you a payment plan. Yes. So as long as you can pay this much a month, this is what we're going to do. Yep. So yeah, go to the go to the financial office. You know, after you've you know had your uh, had your doctor's visit, after you you know had your MRI done or whatever. Go to the financial office in the hospital and find out what's going on. Because like I said, when my wife had her surgery, we walked in there like, hey, we'll give you 10% off if you can pay within 10 days. Yeah. And you know that it's not always possible, but at least you know what your options are. right? And that's what this is all about. It's being proactive and finding out what your options are so your options aren't taken away from you. So, all right, you've gone in, you've been injured, you've seen the doctor. You talk to your insurance company. You're ready to go. Um, I will, if you have to be uh, anesthetized, they tell you do not make any large, you know, life-changing yeah. plans. Yeah. Um, after you know, the first couple days, I will tell you that's 100% correct because I came out of my surgery yep. and I was, uh, <laughs> my wife was driving me home and I had my phone and I was reading work emails and the next morning I woke up and I didn't remember reading the emails or responding to them. And that was kind of a bad scene. Yeah. So yeah, take away, if you're being anesthetized, um, don't uh, respond to your work emails because yeah. that doesn't turn out too well. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure that somebody's around to help you out. You know, if you, you know, your spouse ought to be there, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, just somebody to help you out. Yeah, um, someone, an, an, uh, a responsible adult. Yes, because you're definitely adult. not going to be one. No, you are not a responsible adult. Um, I mean, that stuff can linger for a couple of days. Yeah, it can. It 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 took me a good two days to get over it. It was it was not. I would not say it was a pleasant experience. Um, you know. Also, be careful with your 
prescriptions. You know, yep. they'll probably cut you some pain meds. Be very careful with those. That again, that should be something you should have a trusted person in your life that can hand, can give you the medications because you're not going to be able to understand. And if you again, if you're coming off of uh, being put under. You might not be real thinking clearly, and you either you might take too much or not enough, not enough, and or... you end up with problems. I, I had a major surgery, and I don't remember much because the Vicodin that I was prescribed, and apparently I was taking way too many. <laughs> it's like how many did I take? How long am I supposed to take? What's that number say? Yeah. And uh, the, also the thing about pain meds is the important thing is to get in front of the pain. Yeah. Because if you start taking it when you hurt, it takes time for it to get in your system, right? So if you, uh, if you don't get in front of it, it'll actually be worse and you'll need more. Yeah, I had a major, I had a major surgery uh, and they, gave, they actually gave me a, they left a, I had a pump, I had a, like a, tube still inside of my abdomen and a bag I had to carry around that had a uh, had numbing agent so they were dumping this numbing agent into my abdomen for a couple and it, it was a slow drip but it was like it lasted like three days so that I could get the pain medication into my system so I would be ahead of the massive pain because let me tell you when that numbing agent wore off even though I was taking some pretty high level painkillers I couldn't even sit up because my abdomen was cut from belly button to kidney, mm. and I realized how 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 many hands I had up in my guts, <laughs> and it's like they rearranged a lot of stuff. And your guts don't like to be yeah. touched, yes. like that's yeah. I just wanted to be left alone and not be asked to move. It's like I'm, I, I wasn't above you know just like you know what I'm just gonna pee. Can I get a you know I'm gonna pee in a cup right I'm just here. Just gonna roll over. I don't want to move. Just can I pee in a bottle? So you've you've been through your surgery. You're at home. The next thing, if it's a jujitsu related thing, you will probably need some sort of physical therapy. Yeah. Do your physical therapy. All of it. That all of it. Even the dumb homework assignments they give you. Your PT, your physical therapy, should be your next mission in life, next to your work, because that's going to make the difference between coming back at as close to 100% as possible to having a really, really bad outcome and possibly a failed surgery because yeah. the surgeon can do everything right. And if you don't rebuild your, you know, if you don't rebuild the mechanism around the, the injury, then the surgery is not going to do any good. Yeah. I mean, you'll, and the physical therapy is going to help it from locking up. If you have a major, especially like a joint or a major ligament rebuilt, if you don't do the physical therapy, that thing's not going to work right. No. And you're just going to be stiff, and then you're going to hurt it again. If you try to avoid physical therapy and get right back after it, that thing's going to blow out again. And this time, they may not be able to repair it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what the, you know, the doc told me um, when he, you know, they did hamstring grafts. He took some of my hamstring and, you know, made it into a, a ligament and kind of posted it in place. Well, what I didn't realize is the whole reason for, you know, sometimes they use carbon fiber, sometimes they use cadaver, sometimes they'll use aloe graft, which is, you know, something from your body. The purpose of that graft or that piece of carbon fiber is not to replace the tendon, it's to give a place for your new tendon to to grow grow back. 
So when they took the hamstring out and they you know, made the temporary tendon, it was giving like a, a ladder or structure for the new tendon for my new for my body yeah. to regenerate the tendon over. It's like when you see a grape field and they have the lattice work for it to grow over. You're giving a place for yes. your body to build onto, so that it has a ladder, basically a, a lattice system to establish. So about a month in, uh, I went to the doc and you know, I was doing my rehab, still had my brace on, everything was going pretty well. But I uh, went in for my one month and he, the, the doc looked at me and says, okay, I want you to understand that you are at the most dangerous point in the healing process right now. I was like, mm, okay, you do tell, enlighten me. He said, at a month, the hamstring graft that we put in is starting to break down. But your new ligament where you're healing over it has the consistency of wet paper towels. Mm. He said, so if you're going to blow, if we can get you past the next month without damaging yourself again, you'll be good to go. But this next month is the most delicate portion of your healing process. Oh, by the way, we're going to unlock your brace today. But okay. Anyway. Mm -hmm. But so listen to your doc, do your rehab and do it all. Do every single bit of it. And when you talk to your insurance company, they will probably tell you that you are only, you know, allowed to get 10 visits, 20 visits, like however many your insurance company will cover. um, That there will be a limited amount of physical therapy visits that your insurance will cover. Yes. If there is a way for you to pay for more, because undoubtedly the doc's going to want you to do more mm-hmm. more therapy than your insurance will cover. Yeah, the insurance will go with the minimum and the doctors will go with more. There is there's supplemental insurance that will cover the physical therapy like Aflac. Yeah. Aflac, that's what they're for. They'll actually pay you like cash for every time you go to the physical therapy. And a lot of times they'll offset. Mm-hmm. You know, the physical therapist, and they'll pay you for a major surgery. They'll give you cash in hand and stuff. So, you know, I've been fortunate a couple times. You know, I've had major things. They've given me enough cash from Aflac to then pay what the insurance company didn't. Yeah, and and we'll get into this here in a minute. But if you can, if you can pay for the extra PT within reason, it's worth paying for. Yeah. Um, and. and honestly that was where the majority of the 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 bills that i had was it was i paid for two months of additional pt out of pocket and that's not cheap but that was what the the my my physical therapist thought was um appropriate and i wanted to you know i wanted to have the best recovery i could so the next thing is all right so you're You've had your surgery, you've come out of surgery, you're doing your PT, and the bills are starting to rack up a little yep. bit. This is going to happen. Um, it's just the nature of things, right? Unless you are independently wealthy or have a crazy amount, some kind of crazy platinum plan insurance, yeah. you're going to start getting some bills. Yep. And if you do some extra PT, the bills could be pretty significant. Do not be afraid. Jerry brought this up earlier. Do not be afraid to call the financial office and ask for a payment plan. Yep. 
Mm. And most people get in trouble because they don't call. They just ignore it. Exactly. And that's when they end up getting the bill collectors and then the, the garnishments and then and the, the liens and everything else. You call them ahead of time. You get that first bill. And it's like, okay, I need to call. And there's, if you, the bills have phone numbers on them. Yeah. And you flip a bill over and it says, if you need help, assistance, call, call this number. Yep. And most of these places, like if you called us beforehand, you would have saved yourself all, because a lot of them have penalties. You get, and like Scott said, you can get an early payment discount, but you also get a pretty stiff penalty if you ignore it. And most of these places are like, if you can afford 100 bucks a month, mm-hmm. don't make it work, even if it takes years. As long as you're making a payment, they'll they'll make it work. And how much other stupid stuff do yeah. we put on payment plans? Yeah. I mean, if you, you think phone. of yeah, put mm-hmm. your phone on a payment plan. Yep. You put your you know you can look at cars and mortgages, yeah. but I mean even stupid stuff, right? Hey, yeah. I want that new. Your credit card yeah. payment is a payment, right? Because you you need the money now, but you yep. want to pay later, right? Yep. We're talking about health now, yep. right? So call and like Jerry said, you know I. I, I don't want to say it was significant, but it was a, a fair amount of money. And when I called, she said, can you do $105 a month? Yeah. I was thoroughly expecting it to be two or $300, right? Can you do $105 a month? Yes, I can do $105 a month. Yeah. And did it every month. And like I said, it took me taking about two years to pay it off. But, you know, it was taken care yeah. of. And I wasn't racking up the penalties. You know, as long as you're in a payment plan, they're not assessing you interest or payment yeah. or non-payment penalties. Yeah. Because wife, you've made the agreement. My wife had a major surgery. And it you know, just meant a, a night in the hospital. You know, she had to stay over a night in the hospital. And that's expensive. Yeah. It, and, uh, you know, when the bill came, she called and said, you know, and said immediately, as soon as we got the first bill, once insurance pays their share and everything, you get that first real bill. That day we came in the mail, she calls and we set up a payment plan. And we paid more than what they asked, but we knew that if something happened, so, you know, that month and the next, you know, a month and it was like, okay, we're a little short because something else happened. I can default to that payment, mm-hmm. but we were trying to pay more. It's like, I'm going to pay this much every month to get it knocked off, but they were willing to take a whole lot less. Yeah. You know, which is cool. And a lot of, and people tell you, you always see these, you know, get out of debt ads and stuff. But in reality, a lot of these, you know, hospital you call them, hey, this is this what's going on. I can't afford to pay the $3,000 because a lot of people don't have that kind of money lying around. And they're like, or that's all they have in savings. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, can you pay 100 bucks, $105? Can you pay $80, $90? And I tell you what, a lot of a lot of these hospitals, you might not think about it. You fill out the financial aid. They want six months. A lot of places, I've, I've told people before that are working. You know, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Have you tried a financial aid? And they'll apply, and they're like, oh, my God, I, I got a discount. Mm-hmm. They're giving me 50% off my bill. Yep. Yeah, because they have a sl- sl- sliding scale. You don't have to be at the poverty rating to get help. A lot of people think you just have to have no job, no nothing, and then they'll help you. No, if you like, hey, I make this much, but I have a family, and I have this, and I have that, okay. Well, we'll give you this much discount, and then you make you pay this much. Good enough. Yep. And, and and Jerry's got another good point there. He's if you run into a problem and you communicate it to the hospital, they're gonna work with you. Yeah. 
right? Because they want their money, and they don't want yeah, they don't want it to default because they, they just yeah. it just becomes a pain. It becomes a pain. So if I mean, if you get into a payment plan and something happens and you can't pay the entire payment that month, call them. Because I mean, if you file bankruptcy, they don't get anything. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Because a doctor bill is is there are certain things you can file bankruptcy on and certain things you can't. Doctor bills are something you can't. And it's funny because it's like uh, when we talk about doing this thing, I looked up, it's, it's something ridiculous, like 83% of bankruptcies, majority of is the medical. bills is medical. Because yeah. people get a major injury, injury, they get cancer, they have yeah. a heart attack, and they just can't, and they're, you know, they can't afford to pay the bills. And you have the different, oh, you know, well, the government should pay for it. Eh, well, that's a whole different argument, and we're not, we're not getting into that. But at the end of the day, if you contact these hospitals, they'll work with you. Yeah. And he talked about, you know, but people have to be able to, to make that phone call. Hey, I need help. Hospitals are going to help you. They have a financial aid department for a reason. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, and, and I'm going to make some broad generalities here, but all of the friends and family that I know who have had problems with medical debt is because they didn't address it. They ignore it. They ignore it, and they let it sit. Now, granted, if you're looking at, like Jerry said, if you're looking at something major medical like cancer, heart surgery, right, the numbers change, right, and, and the scale of the problem changes. But in general, the theories that we're talking about here don't, right? And it, it sucks, right, because you're sick or you're injured. You don't want to have to be proactive, excuse me, proactive in thinking about this and reaching out and making all these phone calls, but you got to do it. And I mean, you think about this, a small doctor bill can ruin your credit for years because mm -hmm. if they file non-payment and they file against you and it just goes into your credit report as a non-payment, it's going to ruin your credit. I'm talking a major hit to your yeah. credit rating for years. And it can stay there for seven. Seven okay. eight. That's as long as they're not currently reporting. Yeah, if they report right? if they if, if they if keep the, reporting if yeah. they keep reporting it, if you're delinquent for ten, twelve <clears throat> years and yeah. the uh, the not collection good. agency is still reporting, every time that hits it resets the seven year clock. And yeah, and do you I mean the thing about it, they're gonna call, you'll get letters. They're going to collection agents, and it's going to ruin your credit. And just ignoring it doesn't make it go away. And no. it just becomes – and if it gets to a certain point in certain states, they can take you to court and file a, a garnishment of your wages. Yep. Well, because you don't call. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like if you would have just called and made arrangements, okay, cool, we, we, we got you. Yeah. Instead, I'm just going to ignore them, pretend like it don't exist. And they're like, okay, now we're mad because – you haven't even bothered to call, and they'll call you sometimes. Okay, why haven't you made payments? Is there something we can help you with? Yep. And people just ignore it. <clears throat> and the hospitals, to, to Jerry's point, the hospitals don't want this to go to debt collection. Yeah. Especially if it's, if it's a third-party debt yeah. collection because these debt collectors buy your debt for yeah. pennies on the dollar. Yep. So the, the hospital's getting maybe 5% of what you owe them. Yep. Because that's what the debt collector buys, you know, pays and, to, to assume the debt. And it's, yeah, in some states, these debt collectors can get really aggressive. Yeah. They can, come, they can put liens on your cars, your houses, your bank accounts. They can get, and some of them, they get really aggressive. And they'll take everything over mm -hmm. a doctor bill. Yep. And they'll call <clears> you <throat> at all times yep. of the night. Show up at your job. Yep. 
So yeah, make the call. Try to be proactive. And then, you know, once once the bills start coming in, make sure you read the bill. Yep. Because the the hospital the medical system is a you know, really big bureaucracy and mistakes happen. Yep. Um, I had after my surgery and read your insurance statements as well. Yeah. And make sure your insurance statement matches the bill. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. Because I got the insurance statement that said, here's what the hospital's charging, here's what we're covering, here's right, yeah. this is how much you're gonna owe. Well, when the hospital bill came in, it was different. Mm-hmm. The hospital said that my insurance wasn't covering as much as the insurance company said. Yeah. So I had to call the hospital and say, hey, I've got this statement from my insurance that says they're going to cover X much. You guys aren't showing that. And they said, oh, well, send us the statement. And they corrected the bill, and it was about a grand yeah. difference. <laughs> so you've got to be – this whole thing about injury and the, the, uh, the logistics behind injury is you have to be proactive. Yes, from start to finish, you've got to be proactive in dealing with the situation so that you can, one, return to the mats as soon as possible, because that's what we all want to do. But two, so that you don't have all these lasting ramifications to your family and your household. Um, And of course, you know, we can we could talk all day about nutrition and, you know, how to get healthy and, and ways to speed your healing. But this was really about dealing with the medical system. And how to make it through that without pulling all your hair out or going into bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like we said, the, these theories or, or these ideas really work for any health-related yeah. situation where you're dealing with doctors. Yeah, the, the number of zeros on the end of it changes. And, but And we're using broad yes. statements because neither one of us are experts. We're not lawyers. We're not doctors. We're not medical professionals. What we're telling you is... This is how you should approach it as a person, as the you know the go, someone going through because we've both been through major injuries. I've had multiple surgeries over the years, and it's just like the best way to get ahead of it is to be ahead of it, to be proactive. This is what's going to happen. Know what your options are. Know already have a plan in place and say, okay, I'm going to have this surgery. This is how long it's going to take to recover. It's how much time I'm going to have to be off of work. Do I need to take my uh, vacation because I can't work for two, three, four weeks? Okay, I need to make plans uh, and know what your insurance is going to cover, what they're not, and then go ahead and already have it in plan. Okay, this is what I'm going to call and ask the hospital. This is the, As soon as I get that those bills in, I'm going to start filing. And mm-hmm. know that you're not just going to get a hospital bill. You're probably going to get the hospital bill, the doctor bill, this bill, the anesthesiologist will have a different yep. bill. So you got to pay attention and you should keep it all together in a file. And you yourself should keep a running tablet because I've done it. Yep. This is how much when my wife had her surgery and I was making payments, I kept a running total of what I had paid because hospital made a mistake. And they kept sending me bills. I'm like, no, I've paid this off. No, no, you still owe this. No. And here's I, the receipt. Here's every day I paid. Here's all the receipts from your own site where you sent me a confirmation. Now you, you know... You owe, I don't owe this. You sent me over, you know, and so they end up sending me a dis, a rebate because they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And that, that happens. My wife got a, <laughs> yeah. my wife just got a $700 check a couple yeah. weeks ago from something that, that happened and they misbilled her mm-hmm. and she got 
you know, we caught it and got seven hundred dollars back. You yeah, know? It's like, well, yeah, no, no, I paid that. You you rebuild me for something. You added something back in, and the payment was wrong. And this is, you know, it's like yeah, it's like four. I, we got like something like four hundred eighty-four dollars. It's like that's a major. You know, it's a decent amount of money that's just we disagreed on. And I went through and actually added stuff up. It's like nope. I have my records and I kept them. You know, keep your receipts. Keep your receipts. Yeah, keep your. Med- you should be keeping. You should be keeping your medical bills yeah. and your medical receipts, like you would keep your taxes. Yeah, because right? you can actually. F- depends on how high they are. You can use your medical bills yes. on your taxes. You can you can take those off on your taxes uh, with you know certain caveats. Um, to that, be sure to talk to your tax professional yeah. about that. But yeah, I mean, you can, there, there can be deductions. If you have extremely high medical bills, you yep. can deduct that on your taxes in some cases. It used to be, you could file, uh, if you itemize, but they changed the, a lot, the uh, taxes lately, and especially federal taxes have changed with the um, automatic deductions for being single and married to where it's almost, you have to have a significant injury for it to be worth filing it has to be like 10 percent of your take home or something yeah. like that to, yeah, it's to gotta count. Be but yeah so anyway we, we hope nobody gets injured yeah. out there but, but we we gotta face the facts i mean you get it it happens you you turn you turn your knee the wrong way you turn your elbow the wrong way you don't fall properly and there you go you're messing around with a brand new trowel class guy and <clears throat> he doesn't follow directions well, and now you're hurt. Tries to jump guard. <clears throat> yeah, that's a different story. That's a different story. Um, white belts, don't try to jump guard. Uh, Especially if you're trial class week guy, don't jump, jump guard. guard. Uh, all right, man. You got anything else for Jiu-Jitsu Corner today? No, man, again, like I said, we're just giving you like general advice. Follow, you know, make sure you talk to the professionals, like we said. We're just giving you kind of an, an advice on how to look at it and to always be proactive on mm-hmm. not only the front side, but also on the back side to protect yourself in the long run. I mean, yep. if you start owing hospitals shitloads of money, they, and especially you owe your doctor a lot of money, he might not treat you anymore because you owe him money. Yeah. You're going to have to find another doctor. It's, it's important to have a good doctor and one that you can talk to and paying them regularly is a good way to keep in their yeah. good graces. And a lot of doctors will, again, hospitals work it out and doctor's offices. Yeah. Hey man, pays 20, hell, we've had, again, my wife had, a, had to have a major surgery. It was very, and it was very costly, but the hospital bill was one thing and then we had to pay the doctor and the doctor, it was amazing. We owed, because the insurance didn't want to cover but certain amounts of of the, her doctor's bill, the, you know, and the doctor, God bless her, she tried everything to get, you know, as much covered as she could, and they covered a lot more of it than I thought they would, but we still ended up owing, it was like eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars to the doctor herself for everything she did, mm-hmm. and she went at 25 bucks a month. Yeah. We paid more than that, but she was like, yeah, we're good with 25, 35, and it was like, literally, what can you, her, her staff was like, can you afford 25 bucks? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, you accept the twenty five and you pay more. But again, if you have that bad month where you had something else go wrong, you got to default. You default to the twenty five and you're covered. Well, that, that's a good point too. When you're talking with the the doctors, with the the financial office, if they say, "Can you do one hundred five a month?" If you can only do seventy five a yeah, month, tell them. Tell them I can only do seventy five a month, and be sure to leave yourself. 
leeway. Yeah. Some leeway because something's going to happen. Something always happens, yeah. right? That's part of the fun of being an adult is yeah. shit happens, yeah. right? If they say, can you do 100 and you really can only do 75, yeah. tell them you can, you know, tell them you can do 75 and then... If you, you know, can pay more, pay more. If you can pay more, pay more. But they will be, the hospital, the doctor will be happier with a good long-term arrangement that they can count on and that you can live with than they will be you missing payments or calling them every month because the electric bill went up $10. Yeah, I can't afford to make the payment at all this month. So instead of getting 50 bucks a month, they're getting zero. Yeah. So they'd rather have less like knowing they're getting it than, you know, stuff. So, yeah, just, just get a... Get your stuff together. Always be proactive. Don't just wait for for it to go to a collection agents because once it goes to once them, it goes then to them, there's not a whole lot. There's not a lot of... You're in trouble. Yeah. Once it hits collections, your credit is gone. Because if it's fresh collections, they yeah. have no... They have no reason to want to deal with you. Yep. Now they want all of it. They're not going to take a payment. And yep. they're probably... Especially if it's a, a good sum of money. They're going to come at you hard. Yeah. The only way you can really deal with debt collectors is if it's a really, really old debt and they want to yeah. get you off the books. Yeah, they just want, yeah they'll take a lot less. Yeah. But, they, but then they want that in one payment, not in a payment plan. Yep. They'll take, you know, they might take 10% of, of the overall, just get you off their books. But they want that up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... so that's all we got for Jiu-Jitsu Corner. Please stay healthy. Yep. If uh, it, Hopefully, if you don't and you do get injured, this advice helps you out a little bit. Yep. But um, stay healthy. Stay on the mats. Hydrate. Stretch. Hydrate. <laughs> sleep. Sleep. Yeah, Watch your diet. <clears throat> don't be like me yesterday. And, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go for a hard run without stretching. And then just don't understand why my knees hurt. <laughs> uh, it's called getting old, Jerry. Having hey. the best of us. Hey. <laughs> All right, man. We I'm will in be... my prime. I'm in my prime. Not me. I'm in my prime. All right. So we'll be right back with Jerry seriously after we hear from our sponsor. And we're back. All right, Jerry. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Pretty much anybody who's watched the news or has social media, uh, and any of y'all listen to us, you know, write down us having Guardians Group on our, you know, a member of it on our show and us having future people on our show. You know how we feel about sex trafficking, sex tra- crimes, especially against children. So CNN has had a really rough stretch now. So they, they have to fire Chris Cuomo over uh, sexual misconduct, uh, over the issues he had defending his brother, the former governor of New York, who has a lot of issues he's answered for from sexual misconduct and sexual assault allegations. And now, CNN producer John Griffin, who actually used to be Chris Cuomo's producer on his TV show. Really? Yeah, imagine that. Is facing significant charges. So this freak, Mr. John Griffin... He would apparently scan all these internet sites, and he'd find women who would, you know, post about how they're submissives and they're into bondage and stuff. Which is, hey, adults, do what you want, man. Do 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 what makes you happy. I don't care. It's not what this is about. I don't care what you do in your bedroom. And like I've said, you can do anything you want in your bedroom as long as you don't involve children. 
and or puppies, but <laughs> children, definitely. Well, this gentleman would per peruse these sites, would find some of these women, and then he would pay them to not only engage in stuff with them, but also engage in what he called submissive training of their young daughters. And at first, when I saw young daughters, I, you know, you're like, okay, are we talking like teenagers? And then you start reading into this, no, seven. The one young lady was seven. The other one was nine. Uh, I think the FBI sting involved him trying to talk a mother and 16-year-old daughter into certain doing certain acts to each other and then to him. And I think that's how I think that's how he got caught is because I don't they weren't a mother and a daughter. I do believe they were undercover and they yep. were just you know catching people like him. So this gentleman would engage in sex acts with these young young girls. Uh, one of the worst things about the seven-year-old, her mother, he paid for them to come to his home, uh, to his, uh, I guess, vacation home. And he engaged in, I guess, rough bondage sex with the mother who then apparently sustained an injury and had to go to the hospital. So she leaves her seven-year-old daughter in the care of this man. And apparently he does quite a few things with the young girl. Now, story gets even more twisted because they return home, the, the mother and the daughter. He gets a, uh, apparently Mr. John Griffin gets a little phone call from a family member of the mother and the daughter who basically blackmails him into paying him well, paying this individual, uh, it's not been released whether it's a male or a female, just this individual family member, uh, $4,000 in cash to keep it quiet. Now, the whole time, Mr. Griffin's like, oh, I didn't do nothing wrong. I didn't really do anything wrong. And the individual's like, yeah, well, four, I kind of think he did. $4,000 would make it go away. You know, I could really, how, basically, it was, it kind of started as, are you in a giving mood? And so they work out. <laughs> they work out a deal for four grand. He pays it, and it just goes away. And you know, so this sick individual, he has pled not guilty. So we can put that out on on record that he has pled not guilty to these charges. But they have, and but they have his phone. They have records. They have all this stuff. Apparently, there's drone footage. Of uh, I'm not sure who had the drone. Uh, seen two different things. One said it was him, his drone, and he was flying it, and he was taking pictures of him and stuff from the drone, or if it was like a neighbor flying a drone, and they took pictures, because apparently some of the pictures and video are him in his underwear with this nine-year-old girl in her underwear. Oh, God. So, yeah, this is beyond creepy, creepy. Is, yeah. Thing I haven't figured out yet is that they the FBI seized his phone a over a year ago, and were investigating him for the the young girls, but he was still doing things and not in custody yet. And apparently the sixteen year old mother daughter, you know, I want to see you do things to each other, and then we're gonna do things together, was after they'd already seized his phone. So it's like, how is he one? 
how creepy are you that you're still continuing Did you this do process, this after the cops have your phone? But why didn't the FBI take him into custody immediately when they seized his phone and seen that it's legit? So that there, there's a few things there. It's like, is it because of who he was, who he works for? You know, did he have a little sway somewhere? Because, I mean, it's like Epstein. Epstein was charged with a lot of stuff and was serving house arrest for a while in his palatial mansion and was allowed to leave the country several times because of who he donated to and who he was friends with. So it's not like this is a, um, <laughs> a surprise. But, and then apparently, not only did we, we have Cuomo, then we have this producer, but then apparently there's another employee of CNN who's quietly fired last week because Project Veritas got this guy on video talking about a fantasy he had where he was engaging in sex with his fiance's young daughter, who is, I think, 14. And Ugh. he was talking, literally, it was like bro talk. Is kind of what, you know, and that's what they keep trying to, his defenders look, oh, it's just bro talk. Dude, I, bro talk is like, man, you know, he's talking about like a singer, an actress. And even though it's kind of, you know, it can, can be kind of wrong or, you know, like that good girl's hot. I would love to be with her. You know, yes, dudes talk like that. Chicks talk like that. Women talk about guys they want to, you know, do. My wife put up a thing on Facebook where there was, and then I picked on her about because she just had made a comment about Santa but it was a ripped Santa, and I was like, really? And she had made a comment about how hot he was. Okay. Women do the same thing men do. Bro talk. Bro talk is when you're talking about women. I've never talked to my friends where one of them has said, man, I want to have sex with a, a little girl. Yeah, that's you when you're no longer bros. Yeah, we're if no longer said, friends. Yeah, that if, if somebody goes, you know what I really think would be hot, I, and they, they say something like really regressive yeah. like that like i really think five-year-olds are hot yeah no i'm sorry we're not friends or just, anymore or even you... the f- at 14 i want to have yeah. sex you know you know what'd be a hot fantasy about having sex with my my girlfriend's 14 year old daughter <clears throat> it's like dude you need to leave yeah we're we're about to go down a different path yeah but he they catch him on this and go home before he can't and now yeah and that you know so now he's been let go and the, the bad thing is the fiance's like actually thanking them for doing this because she had no idea and she she's like you you probably saved my daughter from some tragedy because it's like they're you know people are like oh well it's a fantasy people can have fantasies yeah but when this fantasy crop people cross the line all the time from fantasy to reality and it's like you know people do this a lot you know well, and you hear you're hearing that argument a lot more these days with the what do you want to call it? Um, non, not non-embodied, but the the non-active pedophiles, yeah. right? They 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 have the urge, they have the fantasy, but they don't. But like, but we talked about with with uh, Nate, yeah. Is you know, we I don't know if we were on air when we said it or not, but you have these websites that these they I don't think is legal. It's, I think it's now illegal. Not, uh, I think Nate explained to us that it's illegal now. But used to have these sites where they would use computer imaging to make the girls look young. Mm-hmm. Now, legally, they were of age, but they would use computer in, in, imaging to make them look younger. Yep. And I remember the first time, and it's weird, but the first time I ever re- realized that that was a thing that they did, you know, was on Law and Order Special Victims. Because mm-hmm. they actually demonstrated to the detective how they could take her picture and with just a few clicks make her look like a child. 
like make her look younger, like she was under the age of 18. And it was the creepiest thing in the world. And he was like, literally, I can just take your picture and a few clicks and a few, now you look like you're 14. Mm -hmm. But you're of age, so we can legally put this out. Oh no, she was of age. But we just made her look young. And now, and he now explained that that was illegal. That's now been made illegal, yeah. But again, but there's those the other things where you can order those dolls. I don't think you can order them to America, but you can order them in other countries. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, I saw that. I saw an article about that, about how they were making five-year-old sex dolls. It's like, oh. and it's just like, what? Excuse me, I'm going to go vomit. Yeah, it's just like, you're serious. And there's company, and they're just like, yeah. It's like companies are producing these. It's like, what, what kind of demand you have to have to be like, man, we're going to produce these. I understand. <laughs> I understand see a need, fill a need, but that's not really the way that's supposed to go. Yeah, and it's just like, and that's what gets you is like, so these things aren't cheap to make, and you have to do your product, you know, if anyone's ever engineered or, or produced a brand new product, you have to go through quite a few yeah. samples to get the working prototype. So there's such a big need that they were willing to put up the capital to build these dolls to find a to find the way they work. I mean, that's the disturbing part is that there was oh, someone willing to whole, put. Yeah, that brings a whole new meaning to the term beta test. Yeah. Oh god. I mean, it's it's the disturbing aspect. I mean, because I remember when these dolls got you know they're you know you have all these, you go from the blow up doll you know just the plaque to now they have these lifelike. Yeah, dolls, and they're pretty, pretty good nowadays. You know, you see these little shows about them all the From time. From what we've heard, well, no, you, you can. I mean, I, there's I shows, know, know. and it's funny because you normally the shows I'm talking about, like there was a movie where the guy fell in love with his with his doll, and you oh, see yeah, these yeah. movies like they are pretty lifelike, and yeah, you see news stories where they talk about them. And it's like they're they're getting really good because you see like tech, you know, technologically wise, these tech magazines and these tech websites will talk about because the AI is getting really good where yeah. they become interactive and it's they're like you know they're not they're not talking about the sex aspect as much as they're just talking about how AI is getting to the point where it can learn and these, yeah. they, they're programming these robots and these you know whatever you want to call them and they're learning so fast and they're like and they're they're kind of they're, you know what the doll is and they kind of but they they're they're trying to steer away from the sex aspect to just the learning aspect yeah. of the AI. Well, it's like we were talking about Whitney Cummings when she yeah. was on Rogan's yeah. podcast. She bought a yeah. real doll and, like, talks to it and is trying to train yeah. this. And she's not using it for sex, but it's yeah. cheaper than buying a Boston Dynamics robot, yeah. right? So she's she's doing all – she's basically trying to train the sex doll to be a companion. Yeah. And all that – hilarity it, that goes along with that it's but yeah it's like it's and you know it's funny i remember there, there was like some show on like H, it might have been hbo cinematic one of those paid things where it's like after dark and they like would talk to different yeah and i remember they did a segment where they it was funny because they're like couples who are like long-term couples who wanted to engage in the uh extra partner in the in the relationship were using these dolls because that way they it's, could have the fun of it without there actually being, being another a person. Problem. Yeah, and I remember that was like the last thing I ever saw. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, but okay, I understand. You you want to have the excitement, yeah, without actually hurting either partner. Yeah. So it's like, 
okay, I can kind of understand that idea, but okay. You know, glossing over, it's like cheating without cheating, you know, that right, kind yeah. of thing. But, and then a couple of months ago, I read the article about <clears throat> they had started cracking down in certain countries because they were finding these people producing these robots, producing these children. And, they're, and uh, a lot of European countries were, were having to like, they were having to make laws because <laughs> the one poor guy was like, we didn't even know there was a market for this until there was. Right. And it's like, so now we have to go make a law against importing these things because we didn't have a law in the books and it was a loophole. And like you said, you know, this, this, yeah, I'm rambling, but it, it gets back to the non-practicing pedophile. Yeah. So these people are allowed to, or we're saying that I'm only doing things to a doll so I shouldn't be considered a pedophile. And then we had to change laws saying, yeah, no. <laughs> and, you know, same thing with this guy. Well, I, I shouldn't be fired. I shouldn't get in trouble. I was just a fantasy, and I was bro, it was bro talk. Man, bro talk don't – you know, I'm not excited about you bro talking about a 14-year-old. Bro talk, it, bro talk is an excuse to say the shit that's really going on in it, your head. Yeah. And then, you, and, and and then, then you're you like, go, oh, man, oh, I'm just kidding. Man, I was just joking, man. I was just, I just yeah. want to see what you were going to say. I've had people tell me that shit. Like, I'd get mad about someone to say something, like, really, or like, horrendous. I mean, we dark, say some dark stuff. Dark but. comedy is my lifestyle. But dark comedy, but that's a dark comedy about certain things. When you start throwing in, man, that girl is hot, that 14-year-old, 15-year-old, you joking about shit like that? And then, you know, I get pissed off, and I literally had to do was like, oh, man, I just, I just want to see how you react. Well, you just saw how I reacted. reacted. Don't say it again. I'm, I'm going to punch you in your face. We're going, you know, we're going to have a different conversation. We ain't cool, you know. That's, no, that that's ain't cool, man. Cool. And I, you, you weren't. What you were doing is you weren't joking. You were trying to see my reaction. To you see were if testing you away the water to see yeah. if I'm interested in the same shit. And you see people do that crap. You'll see people say things to see how you react, and then see if they can get away with it, you know. And it's just like. Uh, I listened to this uh, FBI guy who, who, who was, you know, predators, uh, especially he was talking about sex predators. I, he's, I, don't, I don't think he, was an, he wasn't an agent. He worked for the FBI. He's like a profiler, mm, psychologist okay. kind of guy. But he's talking about, like, uh, pedophiles and how, because uh, the guy he was talking to, the interviewer, you know, feeding him questions, let him talk. And he was like, how do they, because you always, he's like, you always arrest, you always see where they arrest rings or groups of people. He's like, how does that happen? He goes, well, these people have a way of talking. And he's like, there's certain things they'll say, you know, to other men to see how they respond. And it's like, you know, it's a way that they can kind of say things. He's like, and he was going down this list of like things that they will talk about and how they can get this conversation. And it's like creepy as shit because he's like, they'll test the waters yeah. back and forth to see how someone responds and then go a little deeper deeper and then they can always bring it and it's like slowly and it's like they've worked out like this language yeah and it's just like wow and he's like and, and they it's hang a out it's a bunch of pro progressive gates that yeah. they can say oh well you know are you okay with me joking about a 16 year old oh well if, okay does that mean you're okay with me joking about a 14 yeah. right and you they just winnow down and it's like they'll and the, the interviewer was like, well, how do they know it's okay to talk to someone? Like, they're like, well, 
these people will watch because you know they'll go to places where kid, only young people are hanging out the mall the arcade mm-hmm. the skating rink the park and they'll watch the other men present and if the men are there because they're a dad and they're just there because their kids there my kids here on babysitting they know that one isn't who they're they're looking for the person who's just there yeah who's just there to watch and that's how they they you know and this is like okay so it's like it's the person there who ain't got a kid why are you saturday morning why are you at a skating rink if you don't have a kid yeah because you're that's watching for something and it's just like and then you start realizing you know it's like oh and we we have a our local park here mm-hmm. there is a place that they we, is funny but they call it pedophile corner and typically the people that are parked at this certain spot you know they're watching children and it's and to and uh <laughs> emphasize the point of what is you know if, uh locally referred to they arrested they've arrested people there they arrested a guy last summer for mm-hmm. uh self-gratification in his vehicle while watching children uh unmarked cop car rolled by him saw him doing you know a certain that you thing. know body movement realized he was doing something went around come back pulled him behind him and caught him and it's he was watching children and doing this and it's just you know, and it, we live in a pretty small, you know, pretty small area, and it's pretty bad. I mean, we had, a, I think it was 10, 15 years ago, we had a big to do at our local YMCA. Yep, we did. Where there was some some pretty hanky stuff going on, not only in the YMCA locker room, but these people were also then, a couple of them, they get in trouble at the, at the YMCA, they get out on bail, and then they arrested several of them at another smaller park we have, Doing the same sort of stuff. Now these were mostly were all adults, but they were engaging in things in public. It's not cool. And some of these guys were also then charged with sex crimes against children because apparently they were kind of no age limit bothered them. Yeah. But yeah, basically, there's some freaks out there. And it's the <laughs> worst thing about this John Griffin. Is that it wasn't that long ago he was out here tweeting and running stories talking about everybody else and making fun of guys who dated younger girls and making a lot of a lot of innuendos against other people he got onto the the judge kavanaugh accusations hardcore about how you know just him being accused of something should keep him from being a supreme court justice and that this and this and that Anybody who commits a sex crime should be just all this crap. And it's like, this dude is having sex with seven-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, come on now. But again, sometimes the people who are making the most noise have something to hide. You know, and apparently, you know, our former, the former governor of New York, Mr. Cuomo, who tagged quite a lot to say about Judge Kavanaugh, he had quite a lot to say about former President Trump and things. It was all about that until those t- tides turn and then someone starts looking at you. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, well, no, you, uh, you can't believe the people who are accusing me. I'm, I'm a good, I'm on your side. Well, here's all these accusations and apparently you did it. And then so, 
And it's it's scary because people are covered for each other. Well, it comes back to teams, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're on my team, I'll protect you. If you're not on my, if you're on the other team, you know, I'll we'll come after you. Scott saw something and sent it to me. We discussed when we had Nate on uh, the Atlantic article about how oh yeah sex uh, all of a sudden child sex trafficking is a myth and a conservative and a Trumpian manifested lie and all this and they were lumping a lot of stuff in to this and how it's a QAnon thing and blah 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 well Scott saw the picture and then I did a little research apparently the owner of the magazine and Giselle Maxwell are pretty good friends so of course Maxwell's now on trial you were pretty good friends it's quite possible you knew what was going on or at least you're associated, you know, guilty by association with this individual. So, of course, you're going to have the magazine that you own come out with an article that says, this is all fake and myth. Yeah, it's not really real. This is all a right-wing conspiracy to make people look bad. Now, yes, is there right? Is there conspiracies out there? Yes. I don't think Pizzagate was real. No. <laughs> and especially when a dude showed up with a shotgun and damn near shot somebody because he heard it on a on a podcast where they talked about a pizza place where you could order kids you got you got a little bit to the well and the, like the wayfair thing you know the whole thing yeah, you can order, you all, order all kids the, through wayfair yeah you can order young girls because all the furniture had a name girl's name and yada 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 and this <clears> piece <throat> of furniture couldn't possibly be four thousand dollars so it's yeah. got to be a kid and there's yeah you're if you bought the furniture you'd get this desk and you open it up and there'd be a, a young girl or boy inside because that's what you're actually ordering and and the, yeah. the website actually had to close itself because it got so much attention and it's like no it's just expensive crap yeah well the, the whole addition. they're basically if you're willing to pay four grand we're going to charge you four grand there's no kids involved yeah or the the, the adrenochrome thing I mean just we talked about this with Nate right about the the scares yeah. and the bad reporting and the you know that really do detract from from the real stuff the real problem yeah. right and and the yeah, we talked about the Atlantic article a little bit, you know, and it's... Any people, somebody will read that article and be like, oh, okay, so everything's fake. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm going to believe this one article over, like he said, he can quote you stats from the Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They're not, it's not a biased group. They're just reporting actual stats that are true. This is what is really going on. Oh well, but this this writer for this magazine wrote something, and I believe you know, and I read that magazine, so of course it's got to be true, right? Because that's what you want to hear. Yeah, you you basically want that echo chamber, and basically, you know, get a little. You know, last week we were a little. I was toned down. This week I'm a little, a little angry. fired up, and I've been angry about this dude for a while, and but I wanted to save the rant for now, reason. and we'll probably have a whole lot more because here it seems like the they're starting to pull back a little bit of the dark curtain and we're starting to see more and more people take that ride. Yeah. Uh, Which they need to go on the ride. Yeah, they need they need to get in trouble. And I don't care what side of the line you fall on. If no. you're if you're hurting children, you need to go away. And I don't and if you're hurting and and if you're hurting adult if you're hurting adult women or men, if you're using your your status and you're just a piece of shit, you need to be exposed. Especially, you know, you're using your power to get something. Like Harvey Weinstein is funny. It used to be, it was a joke. They all knew it was in his contract. 
And then all of a sudden he gets into deep trouble and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, trying to like act like it's their shock. It's like you go back and you can actually see jokes about it on skits. <clears throat> the casting couch is a well-known and meme, they, whatever it, you want to call it, urban legend. And it, was written urban into, legend. and it was written into his contract. Penalties if he got accused or in trouble for it. So it's, you know, this whole, oh my, we're shocked. No, you shouldn't be shocked because you all knew and you were giving him awards and you were bestest buddies until it no longer suited you. And then it was like, oh, well, we, and then, the, oh, I didn't know him like that. Uh, but didn't you? Mm. Because you go, and it don't take long to go on, on to YouTube and watch old interviews and old, old jokes and old uh, things where they talk about, where they're joking about him and having young girls. Yep. Young actresses. And, you know, and even some of these actresses making these jokes. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a private meeting with him. He, he, he. And I got the role. And some women were willing to trade a few minutes of uncomfortableness, I guess, for a chance to be a star. And some women weren't too keen on it. So, you know, if you're out there doing bad things, and if you're doing, let's put it this way. If you're doing shady shit that you know if your family finds out or your close friends or gets it in public and you will lose everything you have, maybe you shouldn't be uh, engaging in shady shit. Yep. I mean, the only, the only shenanigans we portray in is my wife literally, she basically knows if I'm not a, if I'm training, I'm beating up Scott. That's it. And she knows when, when my, my phone is left on the table. She can check it anytime. But she knows if I'm sitting here DMing anybody, it's probably Scott or the other guys <laughs> and, and the Darksiders. And it's just crazy jokes and yep. dark shit that we're just being silly about. Like, you know, just some really f- just dark humor. Just the silly, you know, things that we say back and forth to each other. You know, like one of the worst things, I, you know, I sat in here once and my coach he just looked at me so bad was we were talking about Scott after he got his knee hurt. And I was like, well, he should have tapped. <laughs> just straight face like he should have tapped. And it was just like, well, he didn't have, he should have tapped. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I was like, he should have tapped. And co- our coach was like, just like shocked that I said this and that Scott was laughing and it's not like, up to, I was like, dude, you should have tapped. <laughs> and but that's the dark humor, you know? That's the humor we're talking about. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'm hurt, yeah. Yeah, well, you should... <laughs> and it was that smooth, too. It was like, yeah, my knee's fucked up. Yeah, I should have tapped. Yeah, so it's just it's just that, how it works. But, yeah, man, if you're just, as always, show a little compassion. Be a better human. Yep. Treat people nice. Uh, Del Brand, you can kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, man. Uh we were making fun of you and picking on you about your, your things, man, because we talk about chi programs and shit, but when you flat out said Chris Kyle would be alive today if he had your training, is probably the most fucked up thing I've ever heard, and I'll use my F-bomb there. That's probably one of the worst things I've ever heard. Yeah. That man was trying to help a fellow veteran get over some rough stuff, and you're like, oh, well, he had PTSD. You should have trusted him. Chris Kyle had PTSD. And taking the guy shooting... He, you know, they thought would help him and spending time with him would help him, you know, connecting with him as one veteran to another. 
And yes, it, it turned out bad. But this whole, oh, if he would have had my training, he would have moved to read his ass is probably the worst thing you could have ever said. And like I said, man, you can kiss my ass. You, you, all this other stuff is a joke, and we think you're silly for what you teach people because I think people are going to get hurt if they really try it. But, to, hey, man, teach your zone. There's a lot of things out there that people will get hurt if they really believe that they can do these magical kicks and that your opponent's going to stand still and let you do all this stuff. But when you said that, it, it, it for me, it going from just making fun of you for believing your hype to you're just a piece, you're just bad. You're abandoned, especially if you're claiming you're a veteran. That's not something to talk about. The, the man's name should never came into you. You could have used, you could have said anything. You know, I was willing to give you the benefit of the doubt when you're adding caveats to your stuff about, yeah, you really shouldn't do these gun disarms unless you really think you're going to die because if the guy's not going to hurt you, there's no point just giving your stuff and going. I, I was like, okay. So some of this crap is, you know, I think is crap. But you literally say, hey, man, I tell people don't do this unless you don't have a choice. Okay, I can buy that because at least do something and you don't die cowering. At least you're trying. I, I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt on that. And that, you're, yeah, you're, you come up with your own system. How many people have we, we've heard of people do that? And you believe your stuff? Hey, man. And maybe it works. Maybe someone pulled it off. And, and you know, the, uh, what the angels or whatever they're called in New York City used to have subway trains, Guardian Angels. They helped reduce crime because they were there. They were just there. And people don't want witnesses to crime. So maybe, yeah, maybe you being someplace helped crime because you were there and you were ready to call them on you weren't afraid to, to tell. And most victims are scared because they don't want to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're there and you're like, yeah, we're, I'll call 911 in a heartbeat. And we're going to, you know, so maybe, yeah, maybe you did help crime. I still think your, your style was crap, but that's just me saying it. But when you brought his name into it, you're just a different kind of person now. I don't, I don't even think you're funny. I think you're just crap. And I hope you hear this because that's how I feel. Like I said, you listen to you talk. I would have gave you the benefit. You know, we probably still have laughed about the way you do things because, you know, but you still, you're no worse than any of the rest of the McDojo kind of crap. But that right there, that's it for me. That was too much. Got anything else, man? That's enough, man. All right. Then got dark on a on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it happens. Sunday morning coming down. Sunday morning coming down. All right. Well, we will be back next week with another episode. Jerry will have another seriously. We'll have more shenanigans. And until then, I'm Scott Barker. He's Jerry Armitrout. Later. Fuck Dale Brown. We're out. The music for tonight's episode was But I Am Shafts of Light by Mayeth from their album Wailing Village.